0: Out of Austin, Texas, you're listening to the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Here's your host, Sheila Dean.
1: Good afternoon from Austin, Texas. Turns out it is springtime. Gorgeous day you get some flowers, maybe. Life goes on. Um so we have a pretty big show today. And we're we're gaining uh gaining momentum. We asked Gregor to last week to become a co-host on the program. As you can see, he's joined the speaker column. Hi, Jonathan. We just wanted to wave to you from up here. Um Gregor, if you would like to 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 come on and did you did you accept our offer? I do accept the offer. I
0: think this will be a wonderful combination. I really enjoy your show, and so I'm happy to be a small part of it.
1: Okay, let's let's see if I can find find the intro that that uh, that we agreed upon on how to introduce you. Let's see here. Let me see if we got that approved. Probably okay. Wife approved. Oh, wife approved. Great. I'm just going to go. Okay. Gregor H., a libertarian voice based in Western Oregon, is many things to many people, boomer, husband, father, Christian missionary, security guard, pro-technologist, voice actor, and producer. He now becomes co-host and comic right tackle at the Unsanctioned Citizen podcast. He's unmuzzled from California, but still serving a 35 to life sentence, married to a Democrat, and he has only just begun to speak his mind. Welcome to the co-hosting Anchor program here at the Unsanctioned Citizen. Yay! Well, thank
0: you very much, and I really appreciate the time, and I <laughs> hope
1: you can really rock the world. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So, we still have a lot of serious business to cover here. Okay, so the title of the program is Cat, Belling Cat. And uh, what this is, is there's basically about 500 cats. And we're going to give you a primer on what's going on with Bellingcat. Bellingcat is a foreign, um, UK-based institution that is performing a lot of censor uh, surveillance for uh, the DHS, I guess the censorship industrial complex, as coined, um, between Matt Taibbi and, and uh, Michael Schellenberger at Public. So I'll just go go first to one of our great sources here at Reclaim the Net, the UK government-funded group that assists global censorship. And this is the business of censorship. So this is how it's kind of breaking down. I did an an article or a write-up on some of this uh, on my Substack, .substack sheilamdean.substack.com if you want to go check it out. Become a subscriber. Okay, but this is what we're reading today. UK government-funded group that assists global censorship. In the UK, the Foreign Office is spending the equivalent of about $3 million to finance something called a Global Disinformation Index, or the GDI. Some observers say GDI is no more than a spearheaded attack on free speech. Globally. Now, if you ask the Global Disinformation Index what the heck it is to garner so much trust from the government, not to mention your own, i.e. taxpayer money... Its website suggests it is no more than a plain and simple anti-disinformation non-profit set up in 2018. So <clears throat> this is related to U.S. State Department funded a website blacklist of outlets that reported lab leak theory still true. The spurt of similar organizations at that point in time seems to have caused an opposite and equal reaction. And now the free speech union is highlighting the fact that this large amount of money is earmarked by the UK government towards the aforementioned particular group. But the inflation problem is now perhaps a natural extension of the multi-year crisis in the making, becoming a financial, i.e. money one, affecting everyone, but the very elites who create and perpetuate it. And so... A media outlet like UK Spectator decided to take a closer look at how spending all the money to fund a global disinformation index works with the government's promised financial austerity, draconian, measures to stave off a crisis, by and large, of their own making, by the way. So inquiring minds want to know, and so what is GDI and why should UK taxpayer forget other funding targets and spend up to 2.5 million pounds sterling a year on what according to reports and whittled down in terms of definition for lack of space and time is a little more than a shadowy censorship group. Now, I just need to editorial here, just just inject this is that the UK freedom of speech is not promised uh like it is here in the United States. Um, but it doesn't mean that they're not getting proxy money. So I'm gonna use I'm gonna use this this uh point to kind of turn to another another uh leg of this. And this is um as collected by Mike Benz at the Freedom uh, Freedom for Freedom Foundation online. Freedom. <laughs> I probably got that wrong, but I mean, I'm just gonna go ahead. It's Mike Benz Cyber at Twitter. Just go there, you're gonna get the information. So he he has a thread. It says the guy who did this Elliot Higgins and founding of Bellingcat, which is a UK group, uh, using this this GEI speculatively. Ironically, Bellingcat is used by the U.S. and the U.K. intelligence community to make Russian disinformation judgments about information online. And so far, the Russian disinformation narrative has turned out to be something that they have used. All they do is lick and stamp you with a label that says Russian disinformation and you become a thought criminal. That's how it's been working. Is that all you have to do is say something that they don't like speculatively doesn't have to it, it it can be true or false doesn't matter if they don't like it you become categorized and column, you get in the column of russian disinformation you don't need, you don't get a notification you don't get to know what's going on they stick you in this column and the next thing you know if you were a business you were subject to possibly if you're a media business for sure then you may your ad revenue may get attacked by NewsGuard, you get you get punched in a column and according to what Gregor told me today, there are up to 500 NGOs and disinformation uh, the MDM, misinformation, disinformation, malinformation groups okay, reporting and putting these sanctions columns on on people for what they make and do for a living. All right? So, I'm just going to get through this thread here with Mike Benz. So, disinformation, Russian disinformation judgments about information online. Bellingcat is funded by the CIA, Front, and State Department-funded National Endowment for Democracy. Here's another one. There are hundreds of these groups. Okay, and they did basically a deep fake of Donald Trump being arrested. And uh, Max Blumenthal did something for the gray zone. Uh, Bellingcat funded by US and UK intelligence contractors That aided um, Let me just click on that really quick That aided extremists in Syria Supposedly independent website Bellingcat raked in money from scandal-ridden Western intelligence firms that wreaked havoc And reaped massive profits in Syria And it's been around since 2014 So the aim to kettle your speech has been around since 2014 getting money from the CIA. And so here's the income that they got Zanstorm, CV Adam Smith International, Zinc Network, Chemonics International, other other companies and, and and the budget numbers are here listed in the gray zone. Okay? And it's it's things like Zanstrom got 100,000 dollars um, sixty-five thousand four hundred twenty-eight dollars to Adam Smith. Zinc Network got fifty-four thousand dollars. Chematronics five thousand three hundred twenty-three dollars. Other companies three three and a half. So total of like two hundred twenty-eight thousand dollars and eight eight hundred fifty-seven cents, I think. And uh. Double check me, but this is the uh, the gray zone, G R A Y, not E Y, um, by Kit Clarenberg. Um, the link uh, tree is in the sources. If you go to the box at the top, this is unsanctioned citizen. Just push to the left. Um, there is an intercept article about the border. Uh, I I don't know if I'll get to it today. Um, but racket reclaim the net. Mike Ben's cyber right there. That fourth one. Okay, so uh, so the name of the show is Belling Cat, Belling Cat, Belling Cat, but it's really about all of the Belling cats, <laughs> <laughs> and these other little belling cats, all the kittens that are seem to be coming down the pipeline, okay, further down there's uh Darren Beatty, this is the uh flagship at Revolver says, the insurrection that wasn't an anti-MAGA January 6th documentary accidentally vindicate Trump's, Trump's supporters. Okay, I'm going to get this ad off of my screen. One of the most important political themes Revol- Revolver covers is the complete weaponization of America's national security apparatus against its own people, particularly Trump supporters. Unfortunately, propaganda is no exception. The emergence and seeming ubiquity of so-called disinformation, MDM, malinformation disinformation misinformation disinformation malinformation <coughs> journalists represents the application of a psychological and information warfare concepts do- domestically in order to attack censor and preempt narratives contradicting the agenda of our corrupt ruling class like many government functions this psychological warfare portfolio has been outsourced to the private and civil society sector NGOs such as the Atlantic Council German Marshall Fund, and a little-known but nefarious hoax-for-hire organization called Bellingcat. The last group, Bellingcat, teamed up with NBC in what promised to be a bombshell expose of the evil and nefarious capital siege of January 6th. Revolver News' Darren Beatty took to Twitter to watch this far so you don't have to, and then he lists a a, a just misinformation you know, trundling how they wanted to shape the news and, you know, psychological if operated favorite lines. Do what? If I can say one of my favorite, one of my favorite lines in,
0: in Darren Beattie's tweet thread was near the end where he says, that's a wrap folks. You know, uh, now you have it The from Bellingcat. The entire threat to democracy from uh, January 6th was not from events that actually happened,
1: but from hypothetical events that never actually happened. This never and happened, he yeah. He made
0: that he made that tweet because the law officer that they interviewed during the whole thing kept saying, "Well, this is what could have happened. That's might of
1: what could might, might could have happened. Might could have? Yeah, it could have happened.
0: This could have happened, that could have happened, and that's why it's a bad thing. It wasn't that anything bad happened. It's just all this stuff could
1: have happened. And that's classic I like that, that is classic Department of Defense. Well, it could have happened and they're supposed to threaten and scare the crap out of you over what what could have happened but didn't what could have happened but but, but didn't and and the thing is is that it doesn't happen that it's it's not reality it, it it's not even a thing this is an injury that didn't take place it's like people who are running things from a place of PTSD paranoia in tandem with with facts mutations. I, I I don't know. But I'll tell you what. I'm going to go back to the brain of of Matt Taibbi who wrote something sober and 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 simple and optim- optimistic and he said people can win. The name of his piece is People Can Win. And he says we've been trained to think that endless rule by tiny minorities of really horrible people is the natural order of things, but that turns out to be just another lie. Which, he leads with something completely optimistic, which is tremendous. You don't often see that. Um, But then he goes right into the CISA. He says, Earlier today, Susan Schmidt and I published an article about a series of changes at the CISA, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, which they have reported on concurrently, um, and their creepy subdivision of the Department of Homeland Security. Turns out that CISA, which is just a week ago, was busted for scrubbing An embarrassing text from its website by the uh, 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 Foundation for Freedom Online, that's Mike Benz's group, uh, quietly eliminated its so-called MDM, or Misinformation, Disinformation, Malinformation, subcommittee. Just a year ago, the Department of Homeland Security was going all in on a fight against MDM. The notion that America is fatally infected with MDM is... In fact, the animating idea behind this asinine plan, the Biden administration announced last April to institute a disinformation governance board, which was to be headed by Nina Jankowicz, um, which has been out in the news for a while. So, America took one look at Jankowicz in, in a most few fleeting moments considering the t- disinformation governance board plan before concluding. Correctly, that it was a beyond loathsome expression of aristocratic arrogance that needed shutting down before the first Jenkowitz presser. Characteristically, the press lied about the public reaction, claiming that the only displeasure was heard from the GOP. In fact, all sane people across the spectrum were instantly nauseated. Their distress was loud enough that the DHS hit pause on Jenkowitz, and batty Mintruth plan just after three weeks. Okay. Even that might not been, have, have been fast enough, as it was discovered by my co-author Sue Schmidt, who formerly of the Washington Post, but joined Rackett this month for a special report team preparing on what federal Twitter, Twitter Files reporter Schellenberger calls the censorship industrial complex. So Sue found that DHS's little team of self-appointed information guardians was deeply worried about the rollout of their war against MD- MDM Worrying repeatedly about how to socialize or pre-socialize various parties to the idea of a federal truth squad Realizing that just presenting the actual plan without lots of sweeteners would not go well Okay, so one subcommittee member whose name and spirit of our times is of course redacted I don't know why they did that They should have just said it Seems to realize the concept was too hot to discuss with the public She suggested removing MDM so it goes on to basically say that this is, this is a shameful thing that we have been doing. <clears throat> and uh, we nuked this plan uh, a year ago. Essentially, we, we shot the disinformation board in the head a year ago, but they still kept funding the NGOs and they still kept shelling out money and they still kept censoring people. They still kept the ad revenue wheels turning. So DHS is notorious for having nuked programs and multiplicities of programs. The, the people have voted down. They go to Congress, they say, no, we're not doing this. The Congress will issue something to defund the initial program. DHS has multiplied the program so they keep it going. So this is the problem. DHS multiplies its programs so that the thing that they originally got they got trundled for. They don't have public consent. The things that they are doing are unconstitutional. They are illegal. They keep getting the money and they keep doing them because they don't get the whole ball. So when we talk to Congress, if we're gonna talk to Congress, if you talk to Congress, then what you need to tell them is that DHS has a, has a, a fundamental, you know, if we're gonna use structural language, it is a structural problem. They, they, they multiply, they nest their programs so that they can continue to do things that, are, that the people hate and that have voted down democratically to do so.
0: Well, and we have to look at who gets put in charge of these things, too. Um, for instance, the MDM, the Misinformation, Disinformation, Malinformation Board that was, according to the article, dismissed in December of 2022 that one of the chairperson for that was gregor just closed his window and he was very foolish a susan rosenberg now for those oh, yeah. who are not not incredibly old farts like me may not know this name but susan rosenberg actually was a domestic terrorism she was in charge of a domestic terrorism group called m19 co that bombed several targets including the u.s capitol building actually causing damage in the 1980s. And uh, whether it uh, caused a million dollars worth of damage to the U.S. Capitol building, she was indicted for this bombing in in 1988. The charges were dropped in 1990, but she also had...
1: uh, So so wait, 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 Gregor. Are you telling me that she was involved in U.S. terrorism? Yes. Okay, so what the hell is this? What the hell is going on? Is she trying to work off or trying to sanitize... You know, by making it up, by working for DHS? Is this this what they're trying to do? Is this penitence? Repentance?
0: She was pardoned pardoned by President Clinton in 2001, just before he left office. And so, therefore, her record was expunged and made her qualified for these positions.
1: Qualified for the positions you cut out there. Well, if you're a
0: felon, you can't work for the federal government. But if you're you're, uh, pardoned, she's no longer a felon.
1: Huh. That is that is the most interesting story I have heard all day yet. So uh, we've got former I, I, terrorists I, I, working is, for the government. This is
0: just one aspect, of this you know the MDM was an actual federal government organization. It wasn't
2: an NGO. There was a committee that the uh, CIA, yeah. um,
0: you know, had. Also, somebody from Twitter. I forgot. I somewhere I, I missed the name, but the, one of the guys <clears> that her <throat> from Twitter was on this committee as well. Um, you know, so I mean, this committee is full of people who are, who are known for censoring, you know, for forcing censorization.
1: So I'm gonna kick back to this Racket article. Um, I'm gonna read this one paragraph. Uh, it says, this group of self-described ex- experts in an utterly fictitious, that's, that's most of what they're dealing with is fictions. They're manufacturing and ginning up crimes and thought crimes that aren't crimes. These are not crimes in any universe, except for, I mean, the, the public one where you enforce crime in the United States. That's the universe that we're talking about here. Getting out of scope. <laughs> it's fictitious. Anti-disinformation discipline. They were so sure it was okay for for them... To tell you whom not to vote for. One of them sang about it. This despite the fact that the ones whose names we know, like Jankowitz, were many open swallowers of the dumbest Russiagate. hokum, like the Alpha Server story. So they are generating misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation themselves. Schellenberger has said this. He he released something about some of the stuff that's been applied to, to the climate um, narrative this week. So go, go to the public. I mean, it's it's just all right there. Um, when I wrote about something on my substack, here's what I want you to, to kind of understand, is that there's a trickle down. So the government will go and gen- generate some kind of thought crime narrative against a company so they can get individuals. Okay, so one of these many trees will tattle out a, a list or some kind of blacklist or trans transgressive list against accounts. Okay, different social media providers. Okay, so uh, and anything that's a social media company with a public voice, target it is a target. Collins a target. Any podcasting plat platforms a target. Anything's a target. So. Uh, it's usually under the heading, so they're going to start recruiting for people to 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 be the the dirty hands uh, of censorship. You know, the NGOs aren't going to do this themselves. Their job is to to put out the tattle blacklists, okay. And after that, you know, it's somebody else's job to make sure that they they scoop the poop behind you know the federal government's laundry. They're like, okay, uh uh, we have we have bad. Bad actors on our platform. Ah, you know how how are we gonna kettle them? How are we gonna stop them? So they dispatch workers to get them, and you know what? They outsource this labor. It can be Manila, Bangalore, UK. You know, trust and safety does not have to be a domestic issue to conduct this work. So to to silence or yank accounts. That's just... That's an internal matter. So they hire trust and safety individuals like Vijaya God. You know, they go, they go through, through counsel and then they hire an engineer and the engineer doesn't have to work there. So you got people all over the world censoring, actually doing the censorship work on American accounts at social media. That's, that's how dis, disgraceful this whole thing is. We're being censored all over the world Globally, by our own government, Gregory. Yeah, and they're automating it too. <laughs> um,
0: you know, we we uh, we uh, have a you know we have our new AIs that we all get to play with that are frighteningly you know efficient at slighting data or. There, there's a new program called the Copilot coming out of Microsoft, and uh, they are—they work really hard at, at trying to make your work easy. The, I mean, you literally tell it to give you a five-slide presentation on
1: PowerPoint, okay? And it says okay, and it'll develop it for you, right? Right?
0: Bring in the graphics and all this stuff. Seems One legit. of the interesting things on this are from Microsoft is. Co-Pilot equips leaders with insightful conversation starters based on sentiments and trending topics across workplace communities and conversations. Co-Pilot will offer leaders suggestions as they draft more personalized points with options to add images and help the tone to enrich conversation. Enriching
1: conversation. Go ahead. So essentially,
0: you know, so, so essentially you're going to you know, use your AI and the AI is going to give you the politically correct information. If you
1: play with you play with Bing and in, in uh, you know Google Bard now, you okay. already
0: get very slanted data.
1: Okay, so so you told me you were playing with some of this earlier this week, and and uh, what what did you discover?
0: Well, I was writing a piece on Substack uh, regarding my other podcast, and uh, it was we were reading chapter nine or chapter seven and eight of. Uh, the planned, planned chaos by Ludwig my Mises, and it talked about fascism versus Nazism, and so I was looking, trying to look up some historical data on propaganda that was produced for Mussolini.
1: <laughs> and Bing just He's said, dead. "Well, no, no." Bing just said,
0: "No, I can't provide you with that because I don't want you promoting fascism." Literally, that's what it said. You can't have this data because you can't promote fascism. Okay um also i asked that one of the chapters was on the difference between socialism and or was on social was on you know the whole thing is on communism the whole planned chaos book is on communism versus the free market right um and so i i just out of curiosity i asked being what the difference was between communism and socialism which according to marx and uh, and uh Lenin, there really wasn't a difference. They actually used those terms interchangeably. It was Stalin who came up with the difference.
1: Oh! And, that is interesting.
0: Yeah, well, Stalin came up with the difference because his point was all those failed um, em- you know, all those failed enterprises like the uprising, the uh, labor uprising in, in the UK, the French uprising, and the Italian uprisings that all failed, that were supposed to bring in Quote socialism and/or communism, they promoted it as socialism because it was easier to, you know, is it's gentler to say, and so Stalin coined the phrase that socialism is the weaker and less effective form of communism.
1: That's um, that's pretty fascinating. And,
0: and uh, anyway, but so I asked the difference between socialism and communism, and the only difference was is that you vote for socialism.
1: It said that. Yeah. Huh. It well,
0: essentially said that. It said here's what communism is, and then they talk about violent revolution, etc. And then the socialism you vote for.
1: Okay. So that that's a this is a sweet little <laughs> transition that I'm gonna make to to the TikTok segment. Everybody knows that TikTok got hauled before Congress this week. So we gotta talk about that. Um, so I have some audio for you here. Um going to uh, try to cue that up momentarily. Uh, but but just for now, I I think I want to move with uh with this this true to form information security straight ahead um, note from from uh, what source? Come on now, here we go. We live security. It's ESET. and of course, you know people like to. To get over on ESET and say they're not good enough, but you know I think ESET's pretty pretty good standard for for information security. So what TikTok knows about you, and what you should know about TikTok, as the TikTok CEO attempts to placate U.S. lawmakers, it's time for us to all think about the wealth of personal information that TikTok and other social media giants collect about us. And this is Roman Kuprick at uh, WeLiveSecurity.com. So TikTok CEO Xu Zichu has appeared before the U.S. Congress to give his take on the app's data security and privacy practices and possible links to the Chinese government amid a nationwide discussion about the blanket ban on TikTok in the United States. So the short video app, which was the most downloaded app of 2022, both in the U.S. and worldwide, has been mired in controversy over the raft of privacy and cybersecurity issues, including... Claims of excessive harvesting of user data and its sharing with the Chinese government. Harmful influence on children and their mental health and leaks of personal data. While most of such concerns aren't really unique to TikTok, no other social media platform is drawing as much scrutiny as the smash hit video app. This is not just because TikTok is often said to collect more information from users than the industry average, but a, a more powerful recommendation algorithm than other platforms but especially because many believe the app poses risk for national security India instituted a nationwide ban on the app this is something that is underreported India banned it in 2020 while increasing the number of countries that have banned TikTok from government issued devices so the US is now also considering taking things further and banning the app entirely So here are some of the main questions surrounding TikTok. And even more importantly, what can you do to help protect your data or the data of your children around TikTok? What data does TikTok collect? Discussions and much of the evidence have recently evolved around mainly around the findings of researchers at Internet 2.0, Australian cybersecurity. Um, According to their report in July of 2022, TikTok requests excessive device permissions and collects excessive amounts of data, way more than it needs, for its functioning. For example, the app gathers, gathers data on all applications that are installed on the phone. Detailed information on the Android operating system and demands access to phone contacts. For the TikTok application to function properly, most of the access and device data collection is not required, said Internet 2.0, head security engineer, Thomas Perkins. The application can and will run successfully without any of this data being gathered. This leads us to believe that the only reason why this information has been gathered is for data harvesting. Additionally, much of the data collection cannot be turned off. So TikTok states in its privacy policy that it can read your messages, claiming they need this level of access to protect users against spam. At the same time, the company receives your approximate location from your device's GPS data. Even when the location services are turned off, it also collects your transaction and purchase history. According to the Internet 2.0 report, Chu responded to these accusations by saying that the current versions of the app do not collect precise or approximate GPS information from U.S. users. He also denied data sharing with the Chinese government. TikTok as a U.S. company incorporated in the United States is subject to the laws of the United States. Of course it is reads his statement. TikTok has never shared or received a request to share U.S. user data with Chinese government, nor would TikTok honor such a request if one were ever made. Well, I mean, this is the same hearing. Here's where I go to show you what was said at the hearing. So I'm going to put this on pause and then queue up the media. Okay, here we go.
2: Today, do Byte Dance employees in Beijing have access to American data. Uh, Congressman, we have been very open about this. We have relied on global interoperability. You yeah. have Com- access to American data. Congressman, mm-hmm. I, I'm answering your question if you give me just a bit of time. We, we rely on global interoperability and we have employees in China. So yes, the Chinese engineers do have access to global data. They have access to global data. Uh,
1: okay. So that was, uh, that was Representative Wahlberg of Michigan. This is representative Lada of Ohio.
2: Yes or no. Do any ByteDance employees in China, including engineers currently have access to US user data? Today, all um, US user data is stored by default in the Oracle cloud infrastructure the, and access like, to that the the question is controlled is, Do any ByteDance employees out. in China, including engineers currently have access to US data? Uh, Congressman, uh, I would appreciate this This is a complex uh, topic. Today, all data... Yes or, yes, all. <laughs> yes or no, do they have access to user data? We have, after Project Texas is done, the answer is no. Today, there is yes, some so data saying, that we need yes, to meet. But we've heard no, so the,
1: this Project Texas is supposed to make sure that there's a migration of data to Oracle specific clouds. It doesn't change the legal ownership of the company or who has access to it by, by edict and the board. And, you know, I've heard things from, from, you know, the CEO Chu this week, he could become the next Jack Ma if he steps wrong. Okay. He could be yanked out of LA by Chinese operatives and, and taken back to Beijing. If he steps wrong, we all know this. This is what they do. They buried Jack Ma somewhere for five months. Out. They yanked him out of Hong Kong and put him somewhere. He was one of the top billionaires in in, in China. And he ran Apple, um, Apple Media. Apple News. And they got rid of him for five months. Nobody knew where he was. And I think it's because he was a pro-democracy activist, or he just sponsored the narrative of pro-democracy voices and reported on the actions that were being done in Hong Kong. So Mr. Chu is a Chinese national subject to Chinese law. And the things that are going on on that board, according to ByteDance, are under Chinese rule. Don't make any stupid mistakes here. If it's owned by the, the Chinese government, it's a if if it runs through their computer chips, if it has their 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 code, and their code is proprietary to China. Okay, by their laws, also underreported is that they claim to own the data, your data, if it's running through their servers, their data. That's how they're treating it. So have
0: I just posted in the room chat a Chinese new data security legislation from 2021.
1: Yeah. Um, That talks about how that works. Just if if people want the reference
3: um, They can check the room chat. I just put a link in there about that
1: Okay, so we're gonna listen to Kim Kamak, last source on this one and then and then we're gonna go She's got her don't tread on me sticker on the back of her laptop (laughs) Also, my colleague representative Latta confirmed that your parent company by dance currently can access user data Yes let's uh
2: we have to be yes. more specific um
1: yes after you project texas that. no i'm not asking after project texas i'm asking now yes
2: some user data is public data congresswoman which no, means everybody can, can see. Search-
1: <laughs> she kind of stuffed the words in his mouth you know some of these legislators i have to say um I, I got into it a little bit with evan greer this week because he's one of these these people who are like you know if if you ban tiktok uh you, you're 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 uh, censoring you're censoring free free speech. You're censoring American speech if you get rid of TikTok. And so my rebuttal to Mr. to Mr. Greer was that in China, no one has any freedom of speech. And an American does certainly doesn't have any freedom of speech. So, so that's my first rebuttal to him, but but I don't like the way that the, some of these legislators or these representatives stuff words in Mr. Chu's mouth. I did see that. It's not different from what they were doing, hassling um, Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger when they were on the stage. So I just wanted to make that clear. There is parody. Um, he should have been allowed to answer his, the questions that were asked of him instead of stuffing words in his mouth.
0: Oh, and I see that a lot when I watch some of those things. It's really, it is frustrating. And I will acknowledge that they have a challenge because they are given five minutes and the answers are included in that time. So I constantly see them saying, give me a yes or no answer. And of course the person starts bloviating on whatever that is their current thing they're supposed to talk about. Um, you know, I've... I don't know maybe we need to give our congress people more time to uh, let answers happen so th- those witnesses can hang themselves.
1: So journalists were targeted by by ByteDance. Okay. ByteDance this is from um also from reclaim the net it's earlier reporting. Oh, posted 6:50 p.m. yesterday I think. TikTok spied on US journalists and other US users monitored their location. Highlighting the privacy concerns many have raised about the social media app. So ByteDates made the admission after performing internal investigations, said that Emily Barker-White, a former BuzzFeed reporter who now works at Forbes, and Christina Riddle, Financial Times reporter, were surveilled. ByteDance also admitted that a small number of people connected to the reporters had their data improperly accessed. Forbes reported that two of its other reporters, who had formerly worked for Buzzfeed News, Catherine Schwab and Richard Richard Neva, were also tracked. Most of the journalists who were targeted by TikTok have reported on the company, and some of these reports highlighted TikTok's struggles and privacy concerns associated with the app. An example is Baker White previously reported on ByteDance's plan to use TikTok to monitor the physical locations of Americans while Criddle previously reported on TikTok's shop-troubled UK expansion. The surveillance of these journalists and other users occurred over the summer when four ByteDance employees were, who were part of Beijing-based Internal Audit and Risk Control Department, which is primarily responsible for monitoring employee conduct, attempted to find the sources of suspected leaks to journalists. As part of this attempt, the employees improperly accessed the IP addresses and other data of the journalists and other users. The goal of this surveillance was to determine whether the journalists and other users were the, were within proximity of ByteDance employees. So that's why they did it. So China did spy. And they did, they did try to censor Americans, from what I understand. Okay, go ahead, Gregor. Sounds like you wanted to open your mouth. Say something. I'm
0: just, I, it's, it's shocking that they're trying to say that they don't do what they're doing when there's so much information that, you know, by their own admission, they are doing it, uh, in this case, China, but also, you know, the authoritarian left in, in general, um, <clears throat> and we're working, the world is working really hard and making tools harder to use, you know, the whole concept of AI and the whole concept of, you know, freedom of information on the net was supposed to be that anybody could get everything. And that was the original. I mean, I I remember when I used to have to dial up the college of UCSD, which was node number two on the Internet, literally. Yes, I'm old.
2: And,
0: <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I this is before AOL, okay, right? You know, this is I had to make I had to make a phone call. SD because the first internet link between Berkeley and the rest of the world was between Berkeley and UCSD and the first <laughs> character sent across the internet the letter R um, you know that's that's where the, that's where everything was connected so these were major hubs for information and the whole concept was it was going to be a free society and everybody could get everything and therefore everybody be well informed and yet today, Look at what's happening. Everything is being throttled back in a subtle manner. The whole idea. Oh, it's not subtle at all.
1: I mean, well, well,
0: okay, you're right. You're right. It's not subtle, but (laughs) it's subtle like a sledgehammer. But um, you know, there there is research proving that Google searches and Bing searches and all these things are all slanted this way or that way, Mm -hmm. and it incrementally moves people just because they don't have the information. Um, you know, we, we, I just mentioned that link I sent about the um, digital security law of mm-hmm. two thousand twenty-one for China. Right. I did a, I did a Bing search in the AI just now, and yes, I can. I'll, I'll put this up on Rumble later and share the link. But mm-hmm. um, uh, the link, the the concept is, is that I, the question was, does China claim data processed by chips and programs belongs to Chinese companies and the uh, is the property of China? The answer I got was, I'm sorry, but I couldn't find any information on whether China claims data processed by chips and programs belong to Chinese companies. And then I rephrased the question and asked specifically about the data security legislation, and I got a whole three paragraphs on what the data security legislation was. So it's just a matter of how you ask the questions you can get around the AI, but it's going to get harder and harder to do that as they get better and better at skewing the data.
1: Yeah, and and I think that uh, a few years ago it was it was fresher then than it is now, but it seems that the suppressive effort was to make anybody who gets out of order with with the business interests of China will get them to voluntarily silence themselves to censor themselves; otherwise, no business for you, and and to to kind of kowtow. Literally, kowtow to to China. So I want to I want to introduce a, a concept this week. This is the last week to to say anything on behalf of the um the Fair Credit Reporting Act about your data uh, being a a money a monetary device extranationally or otherwise uh, with data brokers. I I strongly encourage you to write your congressman and then also contribute. A, your own opinion and thoughts about, about how that's happening. Um, if, if you have a strong feeling or, or whether you don't want to or want more uh, control over your data, I, I think most people do want more control over their data. They don't currently have data portability. But um, just as a tool for today's uh, issues, I have, I have a signature, since I've been wise to a lot of the ways that, that, that the transits of data have been used and being used for research for years because I worked or was attempting to work in the privacy industry, um, I know that they use a lot of third-party uh, academic hubs and that they get around the privacy interest by using uh, contractors, uh, some marriage of contractors and third party uh subsidiaries, so <clears throat> earlier this week
0: it's not the government doing it it's just they're paying for it,
1: yeah, but they're still governed by you know and and this is what they're not telling you is that you know it it seems watered down, but when you catch them, you're catching an individual, but if they are doing the government's work, they are still liable and held to the account of, of the government like. But if you do, if you break the law on behalf of the government, there's no immunity for this. Like, there was immunity for surveillance if you were a telecom. But there's no immunity for surveillance to censor in America. So if you violate our human rights, okay, and you are caught as a civil actor, meaning, like, you know, hired by the government, you may be sued civilly and, and maybe even criminally for violating our human rights. I just want to put that out there. But to protect yourself in the interim, this is what happened. I put this notification on Colin's system, and I told Charlie Weiser to place it in the legal department as accountability measure for Colin. Because I happen to know that it was it was broadly reported that all social media including the one that we're, we're participating in right now are targets by the MDM complex the the, the censorship industrial complex and I'm like okay well well let's let's put it to the stress test So I said I, I put this this little graph it says federal US government agencies do not have my consent according to privacy law of 1974 do not have my consent to view move, Store or manage data taken from this communication or this address. This applies to data controllers who may wish to share my data with government trade officials, managing grant exchanges or research facilitations as a condition of contract. So I carefully worded that phrase and I stuck it on my emails years ago because I knew this is how they were how they, how they do. So when I did that, I lost 29 followers in about 15 minutes on this platform. Gone. Just so it is possible that there were 29 accounts on my um, on my subscriber list that were, were government minders. You know, it's possible. I can't confirm that, but there's a correlation between when I sent that out and then losing 29 followers almost instantly. So I just I just want you to be aware, if you use this, you might actually get rid of government minders. There it is.
0: Okay, I like
1: that. <laughs> Let's take some calls. Be forewarned. <laughs> be forewarned, if you hunt me, I will hunt back. <laughs> so um, I have three callers here in the queue. Oh, bloody, he's always good, man. Welcome to the show. Invite your friends. Invite, invite some Another
3: people. One, you know how awesome it is to listen to you and be watching Top Gun Maverick at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, that's very American. Very patriotic.
1: <laughs> Most but certainly. Yeah. Low volume on Maverick,
3: which I'm looking, for the, looking at for the third time. Theater, pirate <laughs> online, and then... Uh, maybe this is the first time I could be wrong, but it, th- there's something to it when this movie's going on and you're talking this topic, you know, so I just wanted to
1: share that. You know what? I We're hope really... everybody's doing good. Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing great.
3: Thank you. Uh, I think the thing about, honestly, about the TikTok is way over proportion. I think they hate it because it's true truthful. It's not a CCP thing. I mean, if it was a thing, then why is it that they didn't make a big deal as a big deal that they made? Not comparisons to now, when supposedly several American buyers bought uh, TikTok, at least to use it over here. Mm. Why wasn't it a big deal then? Second, if they bought it, why do not they just buy the TikTok version? TikTok USA versus TikTok CCP. Uh, you know you're gonna you know how many millions of people you're gonna lose i mean i use that thing daily whenever <laughs> i'm not on calling and usually not to talk and i mean i'll get into a debate here and there but it's much different you know but the thing the thing was tick TikTok is a different environment if you suddenly kill that you're gonna kill businesses that people depend on mm. paid service that people pay for as a business and to <clears throat> and to advertise and You're going to kill it for a lot of people because we're so used to it. Now, I also said this in another podcast yesterday. Mm -hmm. I think it was was Peter, And I said, uh, Elon Musk bought Twitter last year. Did you know that Twitter, like three years before, bought Periscope? It's very similar technology to to TikTok. So I would say, if Elon Musk is, is listening, I hope he is, he should open his big eyes and really see that he could she, he could bring periscope under a new label, better technology to compete with
1: TikTok. Yeah, and it's that's kind, of, kind of kind of the backup. So here's yeah? what here's what I'm hoping will happen, bloody, because they're not talking enough. They they wanted to talk about the privacy legislation as an exchange to TikTok. It, the truth is is that the American government has yet to figure out how to control the way China manages US data in China. They don't really have a good solution, and so this is this is kind of covering the ineptitude of the federal government, um, and and this is our kind of our our show chance to to sh- demonstrate that we need data portability as a nation, and to be able to to basically embargo. You know they, they. You know the people in the industry call it balkanization of our data. You know, but we have we should have the right as individual data owners to 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 store and own and manage and and price our own data. What has happened is that we have lost complete control as individuals over our, our personal data. Uh, we're never brought into the room to to price or the license of our data. OK, we don't have any control over who has it. We don't know where it is. Um, and it's it's not banked in any way that is meaningful to, to U.S. privacy. So um, they're ignoring intellectual property laws in Berkeley and in Stanford and, and all the places where where the technology is stored and licensed. They just ignore the laws. They just they say, well, well, I don't like that law. And uh, so we're, we're just not going to observe it. Because, because we're more communitarian over here then that, that we believe that it's more common property. So, so the only solutions coming out of the left coast are really going to be to nationalize uh, user data as a commodity, okay? That, that's their solution, is to nationalize it in the interest of national security. That's the neoliberal attack here. And I don't think that's appropriate for stuff that I own, I still own my data and nationalizing my stuff is not going to fix my problem, okay? The government will still over-surveil me. They will still behave illegally towards my data. And so it is high time for the privacy end of things to actually mean something. And what that means is that we, we bank our data, okay? If it is being treated as a commodity, it's rude when I talk about it, because I own it. But it's not rude when Google does it, okay? When Google does it, oh, well, that's just that's just course of business. But it is just a monstrosity if I discuss it. So there's kind of a two-tiered pathology here. You know, I, I'm the actual owner. They're the people who just license my crap. Do you see the difference? So, um... So there is kind of a a something human rights wrong going on here. And we can fix it with the ADPPA. But TikTok is how the global establishment at BRICS is managing your data. Okay, because what they're doing is they're transiting it through China to get the coin. They're doing it through China to get the coin. And once it goes over there, that's the trade. They kind of own the data, but it still becomes money, and, and it comes back to, to, to the United States as money. So, so that that's what's going on. And so I'm going to wrap it up there. Um, does anybody else have any final parting shots? We're going to wrap it up tight towards 3 o'clock if nobody else wants to come up and talk. Jonathan, do you want to say anything? I haven't heard from you in a while, Mr. MMT. Blotty? I want to
3: say, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not worried about TikTok. I'm worried about the uh, media-government complex, including our government. Mm-hmm. Who's keeping track of them? They're making a big fiasco. We should be tracking them because they're <laughs> not transparent. Really? I'm not worried about TikTok. I'm worried about our government, both left and right. Right. I'll leave it with that.
1: Thank oh, you. bloody! You're you're such a jingoistic nationalist. You. You crappy white nationalist, you. <laughs> no, I mean it, it, it's so weird how like the most vaguely patriotic thing you can be suddenly slapped with this big, you know, ropey banner uh, of of being a jingoistic nationalist garbage can. So uh, you're not. You're you're doing great. You know, you're you're gonna be too too. Pro America for some people, and and certainly you know for all those self-hating Americans out there that are trying to model policy for the globalists, you're never you're never going to be un-American enough. <laughs> so, Gregor, well, I'm sure you have something I, to say to that. All I have, I'll, oh, several several things, but I really
0: don't have time. It's twelve at uh, you know two fifty-seven. All right, do it. Um,
2: <laughs> but you know.
0: All I have to say when people tell me how terrible America is, it is a place that everybody breaks into. Um, it's where people go.
2: It is, it is, you know, it is, uh, you know, it is the premier
0: destination for people who are trying to get away from insert dictatorial government here. So, you know, I'll keep it. I'm not saying we're the best in the world. I'm just saying we're the most popular in the world. There's a difference, um, and I really think that this whole secret thing that we keep seeing more and more of that is the big challenge. And if we can extricate secrecy from our government and make more and more information public, like it's supposed to be, then we will be much better off.
1: Yeah. I think we needed to, to prune down that massive DNI secrecy complex and, and regenerate our, um, our reliance on production and and manufacturing here in America. That way we can have a private sector because right now all we have are these government feeder jobs and subsidiaries of censorship and and security jobs here in the United States. Uh, I'm beginning to see that. I have a shameful admission to make is that I almost took a job at Accenture doing content moderation didn't know that, that that's what I would be doing. And at, at the time, content moderation wasn't such a dirty word. It, it just seemed like an editorial job. But I almost took that job and I would have been censoring Americans. That's what I would have been doing. And so, you know, by the grace of God, I didn't, I didn't put myself in that position. And, I, and I'm proud to say I didn't, I didn't accept the job. <laughs> but I could have. <laughs> because I was, you know, I, I didn't understand so part part of this, as a as a pure and essential, is to to let you know that anybody going in the door looking for employment might be sold one thing and then, you know, told something else the moment they they get on the on the NDA form. So it's and it's go ahead. It's that's you
0: know that's the way jobs work now is that we tell you what you're going to do and then actually teach you what you're going to do and it's completely different.
1: Yeah. Okay. So this ends the talk portion of our episode here at Colin. Um, please subscribe to future episodes if you are not on the Colin, Colin app at Potomatic and RSS. Um, you know, we're, we're thankful to have you as a listening audience and uh, don't forget to give us any feedback. If you have comments or suggestions, we're always open to those. Especially friendly, like, here's how to get better kind of comments. Um, So thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week, Saturdays between 1 and 3, usually around 2 p.m. on uh, Colin.com, and also uh, rebroadcast at Substack, Podomatic, and RSS.com. Oh, just remember there will be sources posted in the comment section at Colin and also in the description of the episode. So you can source any of those links for for evidence-based articles or, or just source news sourcing for the episodes.
0: Thanks for listening. Before you go, hit the subscribe button. Remember that callers are welcome. Subscribers can access unsanctioned citizen podcast archives at Substack, Podomatic, iHeartRadio podcasts, and call-in. Please stay in touch. We want to hear from you. Visit SheilaMDean.com.